Hey boys and girls, welcome to the best podcast in the history of mankind. It's Monty's Rockcast. And now here's your host, Monty Calvin. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Rockcast. I am your host, Monty Calvin. Who the hell do you think you are? So glad you could join me, and if you've never listened to my fine program before, well, here's how it works. Basically, I just invite you into my man cave slash recording studio, and uh, we sit around and chat for about 50 minutes. You ask me questions and tell me your top tens, and then I play you some cool tunes and talk about me. Well, it sounds terrible. Now that that's all cleared up, let's start out with a question from Greg Skipton. And I haven't heard from Greg in a while, so uh, this must be good. And Greg says, hey, Monty, how you been, man? Oh! Well, Greg, it's good to hear from you again, Uh, but to answer your question, uh, well, I've been better. You see, as you know, uh, I hate yard work, and a couple of weeks ago, I was out mowing the yard, and I felt something, uh, like, bite me or sting me on the leg, and it got infected, and I was a little worried about it for a little bit, but uh, then it kind of went away. Well, the next week, I'm mowing the yard again, and I suddenly feel the same stinging sensation on my leg. And I look down, and it's a bee. And I swat it away, and I stop the mower, and I go inside, and I tell Lindsay, uh, you know, I just got stung by a bee. Apparently, that's what it was. And I'm kind of annoyed, but I go back out and restart the mower, and that's when I felt myself get stung three more times. Ah! And I'll tell you what, those bee stings were not only a little bit painful when they happened, but they itched like crazy for days afterwards. And I couldn't sleep, and they drove me insane. And I tried everything to make them stop itching, like peroxide, I tried baking soda, uh, meat tenderizer, all kinds of lotions. But the one thing I did not do was post pictures of my scars on Facebook. I thought, you know, I don't think anyone wants to see this, so I'm just going to spare them the displeasure of seeing my gnarled up legs. Thank you. I appreciate that. I eventually went to the doctor and she prescribed me some antibiotics and some steroids. The good news is that those drugs worked immediately. The bad news is that I have now been banned for life from Major League Baseball. Oh, no. I also got an email from Ed Wheeland and Ed says, Hey, Monty, how's it going? Is it unreasonable to ask these questions? Well, Ed, thanks for your question, and, uh, you know, I I hate to complain. That's not true! No, really, I hate to complain, but uh, tell me if anybody else can relate to this. As you know, I've got two stepkids, and uh, I really tried to be good to them. I've bought them stuff, I painted their rooms, I've uh, taken them back and forth to school, I've gone to their sporting events and uh, orchestra concerts, dance recitals, plays. I've even done their chores for them at times. And you would think that kind of thing would matter. But when I come home and walk through the door and say, hey guys, they don't even look up from their computers. And that really wouldn't bother me in itself. 
But when I see the door open and Lindsay walks in and I watch them jump to their feet and sprint with their arms open saying, Mom's home! I don't know. I just uh, feel a little bit rejected. Oh, oh, cry me a river. And I get it. Moms are special. You know, they carried these kids around in them for like nine months. And so, yeah, I realize that I will never have that special bond. But I just really don't understand why when she comes home, it's a special celebration. And when I walk in, it's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. You're home. So what? Nobody cares. I mean, I realize that I'm not really a kid person. Uh, Let's face it, kids just don't really like me for some reason. Because you're such an a-hole. But, I mean, come on, I'm not that bad. Yes, you are. The thing is, Lindsay can ground them and take their phones away, and she still gets the hero's welcome. Me, I'm lucky if I just get a small grunt. No one likes him. And I'll give you another example. Just yesterday, I came home from the store about 5.30, and that's usually when Lindsay gets home from work, and I go walking in, but uh, they don't come running out of their rooms. About 10 minutes later, Lindsay walks through the door, and here they come running. And so I asked him right on the spot, uh, so how is it that you know the difference between when I come home and when she comes home? And they said, oh, well, we can tell by the way your keys rattle. And I thought that was nice, that they were honest and just went ahead and admitted that, uh, you know, when it comes to me, there are truly no fucks given. How precious is that? But I don't mean to sound like sour grapes, but now that I think about it, my life is kind of like grapes. How so? You know when you got a handful of those things and you eat one and it's really good and you're like, ah, awesome, I think I'll have another, but the next one's really sour? Well, when that happens to me, I just keep thinking, well, maybe the next one will be good. And a lot of times it is, but then the very next one will be sour again. Well, that's my life. I uh, get a record deal, and then I get kidney stones. I sell a painting, and then I get stung by bees. Your life sucks, doesn't it, you scum? All right, well, enough about my problems. Uh, Let's move on to something else. I got a message from Stuart Hamlin, and uh, he wanted to know what my thoughts were about a cover tune done by this guy named Leo on YouTube. I can't pronounce Leo's last name, but uh, he does these metal cover tunes of well-known songs. And I've actually played him on this podcast before, but uh, I can't pronounce his last name. But he did a cover of the Cranberry song Zombie, and Stuart wanted to know what I think. And so, yeah, why not? Let's check it out.
this guy plays most of the instruments on all these videos. Uh, I think his wife is playing bass on this song, but uh, he can do it all. It's the same old You know, I gotta say, uh, I love this version. In fact, I think I like it better than the original. Not that I hated the Cranberries version, but uh, this one rocks. this guy's voice Uh, in fact i'd like to hear some original stuff but there you go Stuart. that's my two cents on the cover version of zombie okay i wanted to read an interesting email i got from chris in baltimore He says, hey, Monty, as you know, I work in the art handling business, and most of my co-workers went to art school and are artists and musicians and extremely liberal. And so my question to you is, how did you survive college and art school without becoming a radical leftist? It just seems to me that colleges are liberal indoctrination factories that are pushing this crazy leftist agenda on kids, and the kicker is they or their folks are paying for it. When I was young, I was more liberal, but I chalked that up to not knowing any better and really not researching politics for myself. Instead, I went along with what other liberals were saying. How about you? Have you always held a more conservative view politically? Well, that's an interesting topic, Chris, and yes, I am a musician, I'm an artist, and I'm also a conservative. There's not a lot of us out there, but I am one. But to answer your question, how did I survive being liberally brainwashed in college? 
Well, the answer is simple. When I was in college, I did not care about politics at all. In fact, I didn't know the difference between a Democrat or a Republican. I was into music and sports, and I was extremely horny. And now that I think about it, I really haven't changed that much. (laughs) But when I was in college, I actually had to take political science. And I hated it, and I don't even know how I passed the class. I didn't understand it, I wasn't interested. And most of the time, instead of taking notes, I just sit there and draw pictures of the professor. A goof! It wasn't until I was about 30 that I got interested in politics at all. And the only reason I did was because I just started caring about what happened to this country. And I used to listen to a lot of talk radio back then, but it was all sports. And I kind of got tired of that all the time, and somebody mentioned Rush Limbaugh. And I thought, well, I'll try it out, see what he has to say. And the one thing I learned from him was how biased and corrupt the liberal media is. And when I saw how manipulative and persuasive they were, uh, it just kind of pushed me toward uh, finding the differences between the left and the right. Of course, my interest in politics would eventually influence some of my writing musically. And one of the first ones that Galactic Cowboys put on an album was a song I wrote called Media Slant. I literally wrote this song in the shower. I got up one morning, got in the shower, and the riffs and melody and everything were just right there. And when I got out, I figured it out on guitar, and I took it to the studio, and Ben helped me write the rest of the words, and there you go.
You know, over the years, Galactic Cowboys got labeled a Christian band once in a while, and I never really liked that. I just wanted to be known as a rock or metal band that made good music. But we certainly never shied away from expressing our, uh, shall I say, uh, conservative values. And when I think back, we had a song on our second album called If I Were a Killer. And it was basically an anti-abortion song. And when I think about that now, I think, you know, uh, we were on Geffen Records at that time. And I didn't even know that much about David Geffen at that time. But, uh, you know, now I think uh, he is probably one of the most liberal people on earth. Is it any wonder that we got dropped? But we don't have to worry about that kind of thing now because we are on a label that doesn't care what we do. I mean, really, they literally don't care at all. I mean, as far as I know, I haven't really heard from them in about a year. This has made me terribly sad. But that's okay. We made a new album called Long Way Back to the Moon. And on that CD is another politically charged song aimed at the liberal media called The Agenda. Your plans unfold And the future's sold Like the days of old the other day I heard Burt Reynolds died and uh, you know I wasn't really shocked because after all he was like uh, 82 but it did get me to thinking about how much things have changed over the years because back in the 70s and 80s Burt Reynolds was just iconic for being that man's man and people loved that you know women thought he was hot and guys wanted to be like him and he had these roles where he was tough and masculine But here in 2018, uh, have you watched TV lately? What the hell happened to all the manly men? And I gotta wonder where it all started. Here we go. Back in the 60s, you had the Honeymooners and Jackie Gleason. uh, He played the part of a fat guy that was married to a fairly attractive woman. And she pretty much controlled him. But if things got out of hand, you know, he'd give it the, I'm gonna send you to the moon. And that wasn't too bad, but then in the 80s, you had things like Three's Company. And the plot of that was, okay, you got this single guy sharing an apartment with two hot chicks, and so he better pretend that he's gay. What? But the time when I really started noticing it was in the 90s with that TV show Friends. I mean, it was a good show, and it made me laugh, and it had three really good-looking women on it. But the guys, think about it. Ross was a complete pussy. 
Chandler was kind of a goof, but also a complete pussy. So far, correct. Now, Joey, he had potential to be a real stud. He had kind of a manly look, and he had the New York accent. So the writers of Friends decided to make the character a total idiot. And the image of the man on TV just kind of evolved from there. I know it's weird, but it's true. King of Queens, fat guy with a hot wife. He's always making dumb mistakes. The wife's always mad at him. Everyone Loves Raymond should have been called Everyone Thinks That Raymond Is a Huge Wimp. And anymore, even on your kids' shows like Nickelodeon and Disney, the dads are either portrayed as uh, incompetent morons or they're not there at all. Like on iCarly, there was no dad. What's wrong with that? However, I have seen a trend over the last 10 years or so where there's a lot more gays and nerds. And those characters are allowed to be intelligent, but they can't possess any kind of masculinity whatsoever. Wimpy. And finally, if you ever do find a character on TV that's a manly man, more than likely he's going to be portrayed as a massive douchebag. You know the type, a total womanizer, and he has no respect for anybody, especially women. And in those situations, the role usually goes to a gay actor, like that Doogie Hauser guy. So anyway, all that to say, uh, Burt Reynolds, he will be missed. Oh, he died? What a shame. The next question from you, the listeners, is from Dan the Man Cunningham. And he says, hey, Monty. Oh, well, am I ready for some football? Uh, you're asking me, Monty Colvin, if I'm ready for some football? Well, uh, yeah, I guess. Me personally, I can do without it. I mean, I'm going to definitely watch some games this year, but, uh, you know, I'm kind of getting sick of the NFL with all the kneeling and the Colin Kaepernick bullshit. We were told it was about racial equality or something like that, but all it did was stir up hatred between everybody. Yeah, thanks a lot, Colin. You're a real hero. But I can't completely boycott the NFL because, you know, I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan and I have to watch. And this year, I don't know how good they're going to be, but it looks like we've got a pretty good offense. Because we've got this new quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, and the guy has a cannon for an arm. And by cannon for an arm, I mean that, like, where his arm would be normally, uh, there's a cannon. Oh, my lord. Yeah, so that should be exciting. I want to see that. But it's professional football, so it's really so predictable. And I'm just going to go ahead and predict right now that the New England Patriots will be in the Super Bowl. And 10 years from now, when Tom Brady is in his 50s, they will still be going. Every single year, it's the Patriots, Patriots. Boring! So to answer your question, yeah, I'm ready for some football, but I'm also ready for the baseball playoffs and World Series. Because I don't know if it's old age or what, but anymore, uh, you know, I kind of prefer baseball. Not basketball, not football, baseball! Yeah, and I'll tell you one reason why. It's because most of the players in Major League Baseball aren't arrogant dicks. Ah! They're not spoiled, self-absorbed prima donnas. And why do I think it's this way? Because they don't just play one year in college and then get thrown immediately into the limelight. 
Most of them have to play in the minor leagues first, which means they have to ride on buses and play in small stadiums in front of practically nobody. And by the time they finally make it to the majors, if they do, they appreciate it. So if it's a choice between uh, my Kansas City Royals, even though they're horrible, or LeBron James, uh, I will take the baseball. Baseball sucks! Alright, I'm going to do a new segment now called My Least Favorite Songs. I'm going to pick a tune that I don't like or don't really care for or just downright hate and explain to you why. And today's selection is What I Got by Sublime. And before I get into the song, I've just got to say, you know, I never liked this band, but I am aware that their singer died years ago of a heroin overdose. And so I know I'm running the risk of offending people and being accused of, uh, you know, disrespecting the dead. But in fact, uh, I'm actually just criticizing their shitty music. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's nothing personal. It's just one of my least favorite songs of all time. Uh, Here we go. Uh, What I Got by Sublime. Early in the morning, rising to the street. Right away, you're probably saying, well, that's a catchy melody right there. What's wrong with that? Well, you're right. It is catchy. And I thought it was catchy back in 1968 when Paul McCartney wrote it, and it was called Lady Madonna. Lady Madonna, children at your feet. And then Sublime comes along years later and uses the same melody, and apparently nobody noticed. Early in the morning, rising to the street, light me up that cigarette, and I'll strap shoes on my feet. You know, I can imagine what would have happened had I written what I got and taken it into Galactic Cowboys. The first thing would have been that Alan would look at me and say, uh, that's the Beatles. And I just said, what do you mean? And he'd go, "Uh, sorry, it's uh, the Beatles, it's Lady Madonna. And that's when he would have picked up a guitar and played Lady Madonna for me. And after hearing that, I would have said, "Uh, okay, let's move on to something else. Instead, Sublime works it up, they record it, they send it to the record company, record company puts it out, and it's a big hit. Crazy how that works out, isn't it? So the verses really bother me, but uh, let's move on to the pre-chorus. Now I'm really kind of okay with the pre-chorus because he's rapping a little bit and it's kind of funky, but then comes the chorus. Remember that, is what I got. 
Okay, I'm going to guess that they were stoned when they wrote this song, and they were smoking weed when they were in the studio. And I'm also going to say that anybody who ever heard this song at any time and liked it was also stoned. (laughs) Because that is the only thing that I could come up with that could explain why over 41 million people would have viewed this on YouTube. Right. But hey, that's what makes the world go around, right? Right. Tons of people think what I got is amazing, and to me, it's one of my least favorite songs. Alright. Another one of my least favorite songs is Take On Me by AHA, except for a different reason. I don't hate it because it sucks, I hate it because I can't get it out of my head. I recently saw the second Deadpool movie and it was really good, really funny, and I enjoyed it. But Take On Me was in the movie soundtrack and I'm not kidding you, for two straight weeks every single day I was singing that song. And it was bad enough in the 80s when MTV played that video every five minutes. But here I am in 2018, and I've got to relive it all over again. And quite frankly, it's torturous. So it got me to thinking, I wish somebody like Metallica would do a cover version of this so I could like it. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder what that would be like. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what that would sound like. Yeah, no. All right, time now for some top ten lists, and uh, here's one from my evil twin in Ohio, Michael McCullum. And Michael is a great friend of mine and the show. He's been in the top ten playoffs many times, and uh, we all love the guy. And recently he had a bout with cancer, but he is kicking cancer's ass. So much so that he has sent me a list of his top 10 favorite cartoon characters. Ah, sweet. Well, all right, let's check this out. And it starts out at number 10 with Snidely Whiplash, nemesis of Dudley Do-Right. Uh, okay. Number 9 is Daffy Duck. Number 8 is Boris, the nemesis of Bullwinkle. Cool, cool. Number 7 is Homer Simpson. What? Number 6 is Yosemite Sam. Number 5 is Fred Flintstone. (laughs) I get it. Number 4 is Stan Cartman. Perhaps. Number 3 is Bullwinkle J. Moose. Number two is the Hooded Claw, nemesis of Penelope Pitstop and voiced by Paul Lend. What are you talking about? And number one on Michael's list of favorite cartoon characters, Jessica Rabbit. 
Well, good job, Michael. Uh, and yeah, uh, Jessica Rabbit, very sexy cartoon character. I've also always thought that uh, Lois from Family Guy was pretty hot. Whoa, 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 whoa. But now that I think about it, uh, finding a cartoon character hot is probably pretty weird. <laughs> You're right, it is. <laughs> so I think I'll just move on. Well, it's about time. <laughs> All right, let's do some Make Me Choose. And uh, Dan Singleton has sent me a obscure sports edition. And he wants me to choose between volleyball or handball. And uh, since I've never played or watched handball, I'll go with volleyball. Why? In volleyball, you get to see somebody spike the ball once in a while. And if it's women's volleyball, they wear those extremely tiny, tight shorts. And so, you know, that could be interesting. Sexist! Next is rugby or Australian rules football. Uh, I didn't know there was a difference. I, I, I don't think there is. And finally, cricket or high lie. Well, I don't like either one of these because, uh, frankly, they just seem like retarded versions of baseball. Baseball sucks! James Nelson also sent me some make-me-choose suggestions. And the first one is John Entwistle or John Paul Jones. And this one is actually very easy. Uh, I've never been a huge Zeppelin fan, and I am a huge Who fan. And Entwistle is one of my favorite bass players ever, so John Entwistle. Of course. The next one is a couple more bass players. It's Cliff Burton or Geezer Butler. And I love Geezer, but I gotta go Cliff. Even though Cliff was probably influenced by Geezer, uh, I still gotta go with Cliff because uh, I love that early Metallica. Uh, Next one is Richie Blackmore or Jimmy Page. And uh, this is also easy, Richie Blackmore. I know a lot of people are huge Led Zeppelin fans. Uh, They just never really did it for me. But I am a big Blackmore fan, and I loved Rainbow, which coincidentally is the next one. Uh, Is it Rainbow with Ronnie James Dio or just Dio? And I'm going to say Rainbow with Ronnie James Dio. Uh, I saw them uh, back in the 70s, and it was incredible. And even though I liked the Dio solo stuff, uh, I love me some Man on the Silver Mountain.
So like I was telling you earlier, I was getting stung by a lot of bees. And I got a friend in town. Uh, his name, strangely enough, is Monty. Uh, Monty Lee. And he told me he'd come over and help me get rid of them. And as it turns out, this nest was in the ground. And he shot this stuff down in the hole, and then he put a rock on top of it. And I said, okay, well, how long is this going to take to kill them? And he said, well, it's going to be like a thousand little knives cutting into their bodies. And I said, oh, so this is going to be like a slow, painful death. And he said, yeah. And I said, good. They deserve it. (laughs) So thanks to Monty, I no longer have a bee's nest or yellow jackets in my yard. And before he left, he gave me a CD that I have been looking for for years. It was the first album by a band called New England, and I had their uh, first album on vinyl back in 79. And I loved it, but uh, somebody stole it back in the 80s. And I hadn't been able to find it since then, but uh, I was really happy to get it. Because they were a cool band, this album has some great songs on it. Uh, They used to open for Kiss back then, and I think Paul Stanley helped produce this album. And so I thought we'd do a little Monty's Listening Corner and check some of this out. Listening to this stuff takes me back to when I was learning how to play guitar. And this is one of the albums that I'd sit in my bedroom and try to play along with. And it just had so many cool riffs and just some really great songs. Another thing that I like about this New England album is it reminds me of a lot of the stuff that I loved in the 70s. Bands like Boston and Queen and ELO and Sweet and uh, Angel. And it was just a great time for music and rock and roll.
Unfortunately, like a lot of great bands that I like, uh, New England never really got that big. They did put out a second album, but it wasn't really as good as this one. And they eventually broke up. And sometimes that's just the way things go in the music business. But the good news is, is that all these years later, I can still listen to this and relive some of my youth. Before I go, I wanted to send out a few shout-outs. I wanted to say thank you to Zach in New York, Brett in New York, Steve Elliott, Bennett in Virginia, and Dirty Dan Wicker. They all bought my CDs and t-shirts, and I appreciate it. I also wanted to thank Brian Shifley, Scott Stevens, Gregory Rice, and Jeff Moore for buying my paintings. You guys rule. And I also wanted to say thank you to Steve in Connecticut who sent me a couple of gift cards just because he likes the show. And I thought that was really cool, so thanks, Steve. You are a man among men. I'll admit I've never heard of the guy. If you'd like to order any of my CDs, T-shirts, or paintings, uh, you can do so at my website, montycolvin.net. You can also contact me there or on Facebook. If you have any questions for me or top tens or uh, stuff for Make Me Choose, just drop me a line. Or what the hell, if you just want to say hi, that's cool too. Nobody does that! I'm going to play you one last song, and uh, once again, it's off that New England album. It's called Don't Ever Want to Lose Ya, and I'm going to send this out to my wife, Lindsay. Because I truly don't ever want to lose her, because I would be lost without her. And we've had our good times and we've had our bad times, but she means everything to me. And so this one's for her, but uh, you're free to listen to it too because it's a really good tune. But that's going to do it for me for now. And so until next time, this is Monty saying take care. Don't let anyone tell you what to like unless it's me. And rock on. 
This has been Monty's Rockcast. The end.